Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Welcome everyone back to Bare Roots podcast. We are so excited for you guys to be hanging out with us today. Welcome to the new year. We have a whole slew of fun topics that we'll be going over this year. Of course, we got the classics. And if you guys have any suggestions, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bare Roots Pod. And we'd love to hear your suggestions as we go in through the new year. So Shin and I had this discussion and we were thinking, what should we do for our first episode back with the new year. We hope you had a great holiday session. You know, hopefully it was like relaxing as much as it can be. Today, we're going to be talking about the city of Chernobyl based in the country of Ukraine. I genuinely thought it was in Russia. Well, it was Soviet Union at the time, you know, it was all the same, same. That is so true, Shannon. Like, how am I supposed to know when previously it was all part of one nation? You know? Yes. This isn't on you. This isn't on you. (laughs) Yeah, like in what time decade are we talking about? So (laughs) today we are going to go back into the 80s and we're going to talk about a very interesting, even controversial catastrophe that happens there. We don't know like how many of you watch the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. I I think it came out like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I watched all but the last episode and I have been meaning to go back and watch the whole I don't know why I stopped like I just didn't I think it was just really heavy and I was really like I really liked the show but I just never Uh got around to it but um, I wish I had reviewed it before recording this (laughs) podcast but I'm just being 100% honest (laughs) and I didn't funny I didn't know that you hadn't watched the last episode actually it was a really good um, mini series I think it's about only six episodes long, yeah. so it's really not that too bad. But I do remember watching, I believe, the Oscars, and they won an award for the series for Chernobyl. And I believe that's actually where it sparked my interest when I did see them get an award. So I'm like, oh, oh obviously, like, this is really good, da-da-da. And I began watching the show, funnily enough, on an airplane, Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So I began watching that. And then I did have HBO because of, you know, Game of Thrones. It was like that time. Yeah, of course. It just it worked out really perfectly for me. But yeah, that's where I got introduced to the world of Chernobyl. And I just remember distinctly watching the show and trying to have a conversation with my coworker and talking about this, obviously a very heavy topic and just (laughs) like feeling like, does nobody like know about this? Or why are we not talking about this? I just felt very confused. I felt like there were so many things happening in the world. Even someone like me who loves pop culture, I'm like, how are we not discussing this? This is such a big deal. This is a catastrophe that is still impacting us today. And I just, I felt like I just needed to shout it from the like the rooftops. Yeah, and I'm sure that's how a lot of people felt after watching the show i mean we definitely didn't learn about it in high school or anything we never got to the 80s like at all (laughs) (laughs) not at all at all so that's why i'm like oh my gosh like this is so interesting and 
I think the craziest part for me is the fact that it happened in 1986. That is not even that long ago. No, it's not long ago at all. No, you probably know somebody who was born in like 1986 and they're probably... (laughs) your close friend (laughs) a close friend a cousin like this isn't even probably to our listeners like in the general age demographic like uh your parents like this is our generation right which is so crazy to me and I again I don't know how it took an HBO series to talk about this but this was the first time I had ever heard of this whole disaster oh really it was the first time ever First time ever. Oh, okay. I definitely heard, I don't know where I heard of it, but I definitely heard the word and it was always very like dark, you know, like just the word Chernobyl was just covered. It was like sinister, a sinister word. I don't know Mm -hmm. where I learned about it, but I obviously didn't know much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, after I learned this, I'm like, wow, this was just so eye-opening. Actually, I feel like there was some awful horror movie a few years back that was like people broke into Chernobyl and then they started like seeing things. I might have watched that, but it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't comment on that. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, we're going to get into it. Let's talk about it. So, like Alina said, the Chernobyl disaster, it happened in 1986 at the Chernobyl nuclear power station in the Soviet Union. And it's the worst disaster in the history of nuclear power generation. Period. Period. Uh, Like, no questions asked. That is just so insane to me. And I know I'm, like, diving in really early, but, I mean, come on, people. This is so scary. The worst nuclear power in our, like, generation. Like, scary stuff. Like, ever. Ever. (laughs) Not just in our generation. Ever. And, And it took me an HBO or it literally took an HBO series to tell me that that's insane the worst nuclear power and it took a tv show I think it's one of those things that people just don't want to think about so they (laughs) brush it under the rug because it's too scary I completely agree I genuinely think that is like half the battle I think people just want to live in this like pure and kind of like ignorance is bliss you know and this is it exactly So the reason why it's the worst nuclear power disaster in history is because the amount of radiation that it released in the air was equivalent to 500 Hiroshima bombs. Imagine, people, 500 atomic bombs being dropped. And we all know the impact see that is something that we do talk about the impact of the atomic bombs that were dropped in japan right and imagine something 500 times that insane you really really can't imagine it it's really too much (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so it's situated 10 miles the power plant is situated 10 miles northwest of the city of chernobyl closer to the city of pripyat i'm not sure if i'm spelling or if i'm pronouncing that correctly which again, I should have watched the HBO documentary or miniseries <laughs> again because probably would have learned that. So this station consisted of four nuclear reactors, each capable of pro- producing 1,000 megawatts of electric power. And it came on. It was it came online between 1990 or 1977 and 83. <laughs> the disaster occurred on April 25th, 1986. 
can I just like jump in really quick? Remember yeah. when we talked about April? Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> being a month. It's a trying it's a month. It's a month. It is a month. And unfortunately, people, we have another story coming for you that happened in April. And if you don't know that reference, that actually stems all the way back to our Titanic episode. So give that a listen. <laughs> <laughs> So the whole disaster occurred when technicians at the reactor unit four attempted a poorly designed experiment. The workers shut down the reactor's power regulating system and the emergency safety systems. And they withdrew most of the control rods from its core while allowing the reactor to continue running at 7% power. So they're kind of like pulling out all the stops. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Poor management, you know? Yeah. Not great situation. Yes. It's a series of unfortunate events, people. Yes. But these series, this series of unfortunate events does feel like it could have been uh, <laughs> prevented. Avoided. Yeah. <laughs> Avoided mm-hmm. and prevented, unlike some other ones we've discussed in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so at 1.23 a.m., my father always tells me that nothing good happens after midnight. Daddy right. <laughs> Shout out to dad. <laughs> 1 23 a.m. on April 26th, the chain reaction, a chain reaction in the core went out of control. Several explosions triggered a large fireball and that blew off the heavy steel and concrete lid of this reactor. Mm-hmm. This and the ensuing fire in the graphite re- reactor core released large amounts of radioactive material into the atmosphere and that got carried away by air currents great distances so a partial meltdown of the core also occurred so it's just like a whole like what could go wrong did go wrong and it Mm -hmm. went wrong in the worst way exactly and there are so many parts to this where you got like the core is all messed up and then it's caused it's just a chain of reactions of everything just going out of control people Yeah. And I think I do remember from the HBO show when everybody, I think it was the graphite that was like all over the ground and people were picking it up and their hands were like melting off. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. And that's when they figured out they're like, oh, wait, like this is like expanding beyond the plant. Right. So for the first several hours to maybe even the first day, nobody really realized that the actual reactor exploded and a meltdown occurred. They thought that they just had like, you know, the fire or they didn't realize that the whole reactor was exposed and sending radiation up into the air. So an evacuation wasn't ordered. Civilians weren't told about the explosion. But because, you know, people talk Mm -hmm. like it got out. They're like, something's going on at the nuclear power plant. And like my cousin works, you know, like it just like, you know, or like they had people in the hospital like yeah they're bringing in people there getting radiation you know like something's weird mm-hmm. but there was no direction so again this happened at 1 23 a.m so like during the waking hours of april 26th people were just going about their days like normal you know there were yep. weddings going on i was reading oh my god imagine That's there, so are, there are pictures there are pictures and videos of like people at a wedding meanwhile like you know a yeah. couple miles away people are 
being melted pretty much yeah and I remember in the show um where it was like following this family and it was basically the village because they have a lot of like apartment complexes and they all like go outside and they're like looking at the core because it looks like it's on fire but like not realizing that all of this radiation is like hitting their skin and so now their skin is like melting off essentially and it just like causes this huge debacle but it's like oh my gosh that's so scary yeah and they I read that children were like they just went to school you know like it was a normal day and they did give the children iodine tablets and they told them to stay indoors but like that was it yeah you know? <laughs> it's like the damage has already been done <laughs> right you walked out of your house to school or got on the bus you know that's been mm-hmm. sitting and absorbing radiation so like hmm kind of too late for that by the night of the 26th the air began to have a metallic smell to it and that's when people really started to get panicked Mm -hmm. so the next day finally the government decided to evacuate the 30,000 inhabitants of that town and what I didn't even realize because like god radiation is so messy obviously but like they ordered the evacuation of all these people and they had all these buses and they had all the buses lined up and the buses are just sitting there absorbing radiation. Everybody's getting on them. It's like, I mean, I, I get that there's like probably no other way to do it, you know? Right. You right. can't teleport people out, but like, <laughs> it's just oof. Ugh. so bad. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, I saw some pictures of the forests like around Chernobyl now and there are these buses that are still there and they're still heavily radioactive. So all the people were told that they'd be gone for three days. Mm -hmm. So they got very little notice. I think they decided to tell them. I read somewhere somewhere that they only had like an hour and a half. They're like, we're uh, evacuating you at 4 p.m. You know, it's Mm -hmm. 2.30 right now. Yeah. And again, you're being told they're going to be back in three days. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the elderly were like, I don't want to leave. Like, what's the point of leaving for three days? It's like a whole lot of everything to get on this bus and go wherever. So a lot of elderly refused, but I'm sure, you know, people don't, you don't take all of your stuff. If you think you're back in three days, like people were making jokes. They were saying like, yeah, we're just going camping, you know, like just not understanding. And it's not to their fault. You know, nobody told them what the severity of the situation was. Oh yeah, exactly. It's crazy to think that they were told three days and now it's been like 30 years and obviously they haven't been able to go back right yeah they <laughs> yeah they will never go back <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so a cover-up by the government was attempted so the soviet union did not tell any other nations that this went on but it didn't take long for other countries to figure out so on the 28th two days after the explosion Swedish monitoring stations reported abnormally high levels of wind transported radioactivity. And they were like, where is this coming from? You know, like Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. And they didn't realize that it was coming all the way from present day Ukraine. Like you're in Sweden. Yeah, it's insane. And also, I probably should have looked this up, but you know how they say mountains like do a really good job at like covering things in terms of like weather patterns like oh like sometimes like you have deserts because sometimes like the mountain range is just so like crazy tall and whatnot right I feel like the distance between Ukraine and Sweden I feel like I have a strong feeling there are some mountains (laughs) 
<laughs> in between there. So you would think that like, if it was like a little tiny thing, there'd be like zero impact, but like not even nature could try to like nah, cover that yeah. up. Yeah, they're like, nah, yep. we can't help you here. <laughs> so when Sweden found out, the Soviet government admitted that there had been an accident at Chernobyl. And by May 4th, both the heat and the radioactive leaking from the reactor core was mostly contained. And of course, at great risk to the workers, you know, like you can't be anywhere close to this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, do you remember in the TV show where they had the helicopters yeah. flying over and they realized that they like, couldn't go in the core like area? They could only do the surrounding areas. Otherwise, they would be impacted. I remember thinking distinctly, wow, that is such a scary mission to go on. Oof. Yeah, yeah. And they were trying to dump sand and stuff in there to try to like yeah. cover it. Yeah. Because you couldn't dump water because it would cause it was not... It would be greater fires if exactly. you put water in it. I really want to say something like they were trying to combat the graphite. Like that yeah. was their main concern. Yeah. So radioactive debris was buried at some 800 temporary sites. And later in the year, the highly radioactive reactor core was enclosed in a concrete and steel sarcophagus, which <laughs> later was determined structurally unsound. So that's nice. Yeah. And between 50 and 185 million curies of radionuclides, um, which is the radioactive form of chemical elements, escaped into the atmosphere. Several more, like we said, it's like several more times radioactive than that created by the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. So again, the radioactivity just got spread, and they also found traces of it in France and Italy, and the ground-level radioactivity from the nuclear fallout rose significantly after weekend rain, so it kind of, like, dropped it down. Mm -hmm. And millions of acres of forest and farmland were contaminated, and many thousands of people were evacuated. Hundreds of thousands more remained in contaminated areas. There were two immediate deaths from the explosion, 29 acute radio radiation poisoning within the following three months. Estimated 50 died from acute radiation poisoning from Chernobyl, and the UN estimated it claimed about 4,000 lives. It, it seems to be like debated about how many people died because it obviously causes so many radiation causes, creeps up in people in different ways, kind of, you know. It, yeah. It's so, an immediate thing that people can correlate exactly to this, like, moment. Right, and it can have lasting effects. Like, you might be fine for a bit and then, you know, get cancer later in life. Yeah. Greenpeace International says it may be as high as 90,000 people died because of Chernobyl. And one really, really sad thing is that in five years, the cases of children with cancer increased 90% in the Ukraine. Yeah, this is like what really just scares me. Yeah, because they're they were more susceptible. Mm -hmm. So in subsequent years, many livestock were born deformed, which I think is one of the things that people think of when they think of Chernobyl is like three eyed fish. And because they evacuated the area, you know, like no humans, quote unquote, no humans have been in there for decades so the animals just like kind of flourished but also got weird <laughs> yeah 
And I would love to add that recently, and when I say recently, I mean literally like three days ago, I was watching an episode called River Monster. And it's about this guy who like goes around and he like goes fishing. And in the show, he was in Chernobyl. And so that like really caught my eye because I knew we were going to be recording this podcast. I'm like, oh my God, like what is he doing there? And in the episode, he was trying to find essentially a huge, crazy, big catfish. And if you know anything about catfish, they're bottom feeders. And to your point, the plant had water nearby, which really like powered the the plant. And so when the whole situation happens, a lot of that like radioactivity like went into the water and it's down at the bottom of the lake. Like that's where the majority of it is at. And so being a catfish, that's where it would naturally habitate, right? Um, towards. And he even said, he was like, I'm wearing this life jacket because if anything happens where he might catch like a really giant big fish, he won't, if he does like fall into the water, he won't go down per se, where like really all that radioactivity is intense. So he goes and he does catch a catfish at the end of the episode, but when he brought it to like the research and development institution, they discovered that for the age of the catfish, it actually was significantly smaller than the typical age of that catfish, if that makes sense. So they made the point that instead of thinking, you know, oh, like the deformity might be causing like huge, crazy, big like catfish, it actually had shrunk it in size. I'm like, oh my God. Interesting. Yeah. So people are fascinated by this. Like I even saw a picture of um, a pig. Did you see that too? I don't know if no. you saw that in your research. Oh my gosh. It was, this woman was holding this pig and it was deformed. It was bad. Not good. Not good. So the reactor that melted down, that was unit four. And unit two was shut down a few years after because there was a fire in 1991, which is wild mm-hmm. that you would have a fire I don't understand why it wasn't shut down immediately. And then Unit 1 remained online until 1996. And Unit 3 continued to operate till 2000 when it was officially decommissioned. It's like, how? How, people? And following the disaster, the Soviet Union created a circle-shaped exclusion zone with a radius about 18.6 miles centered on the nuclear power plant. The exclusion zone covered about 1,017 square miles around the plant, and it was later expanded to 1,600 square miles to include the heavily radiated areas outside of the initial zone. And no people live in the exclusion zone. Scientists, scavengers, and others uh, do, however, file for permits that allow them to enter for a limited time. And now it's a tourist attraction. So that's extra wild. Yeah, it's really crazy to see what they've created for themselves there. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to capitalize on that moment in history, especially just the general health. It's not like a normal place where you would want to go check it out. You 100% want to make sure that you have the radioactivity, you know, instrument that captures how much you're getting. It's just like that. It's- yeah, the Geiger counter. Yeah, it's just not a risk that I'm, like, willing to take. Yeah, it says, like, you're fine with small doses, but I just see all these people with, like, I thought you'd have to, like, 
I don't know, have some sort of PPE on you to go in here and nobody, <laughs> yeah. all the tourist photos, they're all just like walking around. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure we know what we're doing at this point in time, but also. Eh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like heavily guarded by the, like, the military, understandably. And I just thought to myself when I saw that on TV from that episode, imagine being stationed there. I would be Oof. so upset like, yeah. to be spending my time in this nuclear waste, essentially. No, thank you. No, thank you. So that concludes our on the record portion of Chernobyl. And we're going to get into a little bit of a legend. You could consider it a conspiracy theory, but we're going to walk you through it. Mm -hmm. And that is called the Blackbird of Chernobyl. So in the district of Ukraine where Chernobyl sits, people tell this story of a black bird, which was a human creature with wings and a black headless body with piercing red eyes. And when I first read that, I'm like, that must be a typo because how does this bird have piercing red eyes and is also headless? Mm -hmm. Question mark, question mark. Apparently, the piercing red eyes are on his torso. Extra screaming. <laughs> so apparently, in the days leading up to Chernobyl, the disaster, several of the workers in the control room of the nuclear power plant claim to have seen the creature that is known as the Blackbird of Chernobyl. And it was just hovering. After the event, it was reported that anyone who saw the creature suffered from nightmares and threatening phone calls. Which kind of makes me laugh because, like, do you think the threatening phone calls are because the Blackbird is real and the government is calling people to not talk about it because they know that you saw it? Or do you think that the Blackbird is calling people up? <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> tweet, tweet. I don't know. But honestly, when I read that, it made me think of the movie The Ring and it just, like, genuinely scared me. <laughs> we're not bringing up the ring again you can delete that from the episode <laughs> positive vibes only positive vibes only <laughs> on this radioactive yeah yeah it's, it's dark it's not necessarily scary okay so others believe that the black bird was the form of a creature also known as mothman whose mm. presence means that a catastrophic event would soon occur and this feels very like X-Men-y to me. Like we got Blackbird, mm. we got Mothman. Yes. You yes. know, like who are they? What's their uh, background? You know? They're totally going to be in the next Marvel movie. Yeah. And like, do they come from the future and they're trying to like help and they come before the catastrophic events, but then like they can't change time because it has a ripple effect and then they won't be born, you know? One of those. Fascinating question. That's what I'm getting. But anyway, I, so I dove into this Mothman, and Mothman sightings are a mystery that began in November of 1967. So again, not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And this occurred in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And more than 100 locals reported seeing that they described a six-foot-tall beast covered in hair or feathers with a wingspan of six to ten feet and bright, glowing red eyes. Then, in December... A chain suspension bridge across the Ohio River from Point Pleasant to, to Gallipolis crashed into the river at peak hour, killing 46 people, which is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. So some people reported that they saw the Mothman on the bridge just before the collapse. 
curious. There's even a Mothman statue at Point Pleasant, uh, which is now a popular tourist attraction, but that feels a little rude because, you know, yeah, 46 yeah. people did die. So, like, let's not put up a, <laughs> a statue of Mothman, but okay. Especially making it a tourist attraction. Yeah, just. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> insensitive. Yeah. Again, Mothman was reportedly spotted in Germany on September 10th, 1978, when a mine collapsed and killed several miners. But more than 20 miners who were supposed to work that day were apparently scared away by the sight of a Mothman-like creature perched at the entrance of the mine. And this creature is known as the Freiburg Shrieker. And there are skeptics, of course, of this. And some believe that the stories have actually been created by authorities, by like uh, Soviet Union authorities in a attempt to prevent people from entering like to scare people from entering the radioactive area as looters mm. so i'm like blackbird slash mothman might get you if you go into the woods so don't do it so yeah. that's the legend of blackbird slash mothman so interesting i don't know why but i was like getting like big bigfoot vibes yeah yeah but like make it soviet union you know <laughs> Make it radioactive, Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are your thoughts? Where's your tinfoil hat on that? I think it's interesting. <laughs> I was I, gonna say the exact same thing. I don't think. I think it's like a cool little legend. I don't really, mm-hmm. you know, the one. It is, you know, one hundred locals. That's a lot of people, but yeah, it's just curious. I don't. My tinfoil hat is on the shelf. I agree. Same. I'm very curious about it. It's very interesting. But yeah, I just don't have a lot of, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I just don't care as much. There's <laughs> something about it. I'm like, interesting. I don't know. I'm not invested in this specific creature. Fair. So another aspect that we wanted to just discuss when talking about Chernobyl is the fact that could this be a government cover-up? So the reason why people believe that this might have been orchestrated by the government, um, and again, back at that time, it was considered the Soviet Union, is because the Chernobyl disaster was conducted by, of course, the Soviet regime due to the failure of an incredible missile defense radio structure called Duga-3, also known as the Russian woodpecker. So it was suspected of being really over budget and the structure was deemed such an expensive flop that in order to eliminate it near the um, Chernobyl factory or facility, they were going to allow for a meltdown. So another theory is that the government had actually created this whole nuclear you know, shut down because they wanted to test how the radiation affected the people and the environment. And this was an effort to prepare for a nuclear war. And if we, you know, take a step back in history, this is the time of the Cold War where it was really an arms race. America and the Soviet Union were really battling it out and threatening each other with the nuclear power that they both had and I actually could understand in a really weird and dark way why they may have wanted to test that but I would counter by saying technically they did know because of the bombs that were dropped in Japan yeah so I could see that but not really and another theory related to the government is that 
the CIA sabotaged vital equipment at the plant or that the disaster was a long-term plan by the Russians to turn Europe off building new nuclear plants and be reliant in Russian oil and gas. Long story short, Russia really wanted to capitalize on the fact that they had oil and gas and they didn't want Europe to be using nuclear plants. And so kind of taking that away, you have other countries relying on Russia, aka money. So these are a few theories relating to like the government cover up. Shannon, what do you think about this? My tinfoil hat is on the shelf in the room. I'm not in the room. Yeah, one of those. I could kind of see, like you said, the testing how to prepare for nuclear war kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. I'm not buying it. I think it was just a horrific accident and a misguided, like a bunch of misguided judgments and mismanagement. And just, I think it could have been completely avoidable. And by the end of the day, it was an accident. I don't think anybody planned to contaminate that many people. I agree. And I think also if you look at it as a nation in itself, like representing the nation, I think it would be a really dumb thing for the country to approve of that happening, especially at this time when they want to be the most powerful, right? Like they want to see like the strongest nation. So with them, you know, causing this whole accident, I I mean, they even try not talking about it, you know, like yeah, they I were kind of forced to. So it obviously doesn't look good on them. So right. the idea of it being orchestrated is just a little far for me. Yeah, it definitely did not make them look good by any mm-hmm. means. So that's exactly. that. <laughs> that is that. But when Shin and I were researching this, I think we really wanted to cover, you know, some of like the conspiracy theories and like the legends um, and just like some gossip that people were talking about, you know, Chernobyl. But we really want to capitalize and talk about the aftermath of Chernobyl and like the effects that it brought. And I feel like this is going to be like a PSA for Chernobyl. But I genuinely want people to know about this. And like this has just been living like rent free in my mind. And I'm just really excited to be talking about this. (laughs) So after watching the show, I was like, wow, this is so powerful. I can't believe this actually happened in modern history. And by modern, I mean, literally only a handful of decades ago. And to see and research just the impacts that it had and is having right now is just absolutely wild to me. So one of the first things that um, I learned is that scientists estimate that it would take about 20,000 years for the area to finally be habitable again. Imagine 20,000 years. That's insane to me. And that, of course, you have like committees getting involved and like trying to find like more research and the impact of it. And in 2018, so super recently, the United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation, that is a long one. That really is. (laughs) They reported that the accident was also responsible for nearly 20,000 documented cases of thyroid cancer among individuals who were under 18 years old at that time of the accident. And this was researched in the areas including Belarus, Ukraine, and the Russian Federation, which 
I feel like we're just gonna like really dive into but that was really one of my first thoughts when watching the show was just thinking wow like I wonder how this radiation accumulated and manifest manifested itself into cancer and specifically thyroid. So of course, this was due to the high levels of the radioactive iodine released from the Chernobyl reactor in the early days of the accident. So that radioactive iodine was deposited in pastures, which were naturally eaten by cows who obviously converted essentially the cow, right? You're going to use their milk and in their milk. So this was subsequently ingested by children. So it's just like one right after the other in terms of like the progression. Mm -hmm. And this was further exacerbated by the general iodine deficiency in the local diet, causing more of the radioactive iodine to be accumulated in the thyroid. I just think it's so sad because- it really is just a snowball effect. Like as soon as this, you know, exploded, obviously the air that you breathe in, the things that, uh, you know, is being touched, is like so bad. But then when you think about the, um, like the cows and like the pigs and whatnot, and then they're like eating the grass that is radioactive, but then you also eat the animals as like for food. And then once you digest it, it's all bad. And I think like one of the big things was just like the lack of communication that the Soviet Union didn't have. And we really talked about this in the beginning, but because of that, because they didn't have a quick reaction and they didn't publicly talk about it immediately, this really could have prevented it in that aspect where Mm -hmm. if the people had known, then they wouldn't have ingested the vegetables, the meat products, like anything coming out of it. But because they had no idea, they were just obviously ingesting it, which is really, really sad. But in a little pivot, that made me think about foods that do have iodine because obviously I just said that they had like a low diet. So I was like, okay, what can we do as a society (laughs) to increase our iodine intake so that way we are, you know, fighting those radioactive energy that we have in the air? (laughs) Yeah, that's what's going to do it. (laughs) So fish such as cod and tuna seaweed has a lot of it shrimp so really in that like seafood industry um some dairy products said to have that as well and then iodized salt which is like duh you know (laughs) um (laughs) obviously you know specifically with the salt intake you know you have other bad guys you know with the sodium and whatnot so you really gotta you know pick your poison essentially but it is something that i wanted to share Plus, fish has mercury, so yeah, you know, everything has its downsides. <laughs> really does. But if you are genuinely thinking, like, what can I do to, you know, increase my iodine intake? Those are the food groups that you really want to go into. <laughs> so not only did this have an impact in the people, um, like, physically, but psychologically, which I didn't even think about, but... That is so, so true. Mm. So psychologically, the effects of Chernobyl remain widespread and profound, resulting in suicides, alcohol abuse, and apathy, which I think is so interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's like such a traumatic event to go through. So completely could understand how. And in terms of 
preventing this, right? Like I kind of want to make this not as scary for our listeners. What are we doing as a nation, specifically the United States, in trying to combat this so that this wouldn't happen again? The first step is just, you know, understanding how the plants were designed. So the U.S. power reactors have extensive safety features to prevent large-scale accidents and radioactive releases. And that Chernobyl reactor had no such features and was unstable at low power levels. You know, I think that's really important to talk about. I read that the Chernobyl, the way that they built that was in a way that wasn't even legal in other countries. Like we Mm. would have never had created a plant like that because there were so many faulty things, but they obviously did. So something to point out. Another thing that we have established is that um, there are federal regulations requiring extensive emergency preparedness planning for all U.S. nuclear energy facilities. So it's like, go us, and that we're, you know, taking control of this. So, but another interesting thing that I had read was that when Japan had their nuclear, like, Fukushima, like, shutdown or whatnot... Mm -hmm back in, I think it was 2011, I guess the U.S. came in and helped them out with like creating the what to do in this situation, like the emergency prepared planning and shared um, tips such as communicating with the people being like your food might be, you know, contaminated. Be careful with that. Definitely, you know, be on that lookout like da da da. So I just thought that was so good. Like go us, like go USA. Um, <laughs> just lending a helpful hand. We bombed you before. Now we're helping you out. <laughs> now we're helping you out. Exactly. Now they're all allies. So it's totally fine. <laughs> so that's like some interesting facts about the plant and how, you know, we're trying to like prevent that in today's world. And hopefully that never happens again. Correct. One thing that I really wanted to dive into, which I did touch upon a little bit earlier in terms of the aftermath was the thyroid cancer. So I did want to go into like a further research and just see how has this cancer, like, has it been an increase like over the years or has it been steadily consistent, maybe even a decrease? I was just very curious to see um, in the United States. So in the U.S., the um, thyroid cancer like diagnosis has increased dramatically during the past three decades and it is now the fastest growing cancer in women and I should note that this has nothing to do with it's not like when I was researching Chernobyl and like people were like writing that quote out I went to specifically the thyroid cancer website Mm because I just wanted to get like you know some general information so I just thought that was very interesting that during the past three decades which just kind of tallies up yeah to you know this reactor how this is now you know one of the fastest growing cancers so almost all of this increase is in papillary which is the most common type of thyroid cancer but some a lot of people believe like specific doctors and nurses that there's a rise in cases because it seems to be a result of a more sensitive diagnostics procedures such as like CT or MRI scans, like done for other medical problems, which can detect incidental small thyroid nodules that might not otherwise have been found in the past. 
So I just think that's something, you know, to take note of, you know, yes, there has been an increase, but also our technology has been really good. And the things that they are finding might not actually be an issue. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. Like you wouldn't have known it was there unless you got that scan, you know, until it was later or maybe, you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I know to a dentist office, they like will check your thyroids, which I think is great. So the death rate for thyroid cancer has increased slightly from 2008 to 2017, only 0.6% per year, but it does appear to have stabilized in the recent years. So I think it's interesting to note, you know, again, not trying to make this like a scary thing, but I did want to read the impact that it potentially could have on us today. Well, thank you for that. Of course. And honestly, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. I feel like I really hyped this up in my head, but mm, not I don't know. What as bad? The radioactivity. Like I felt like in my mind that yes, it did spread over the countries and I'm sure like we have some like residue of it. I mean, I'm sure we have residue of the atomic bombs too. But, you know, I guess it's it's one of those things it's just hard to correlate to, you know, like, right. did you get this problem, you know, because of yeah. Chernobyl or no, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard to pin down. Exactly. And then I just wanted to talk very briefly about the fact that, again, this is a tourist site now. So if you wanted to go, you can go to the U- Ukraine and check out Chernobyl. And I knew before I, it just like shocked me a little bit. Not that people go there because I did know that people went there. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at photos and like people really go there. There's merch. <laughs> like it looks like Disney. They have, you know, like bright yellow radioactive food trucks. They're like oh come God. and they have just they just have merch. And they, there's a cafeteria there that you can go and eat at. And um, the government is like all for it. They're like, yeah, we want to embrace our history. It's like, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Obviously, you want tourism because nobody else is going to the Ukraine. But yeah, I just, I didn't realize, again, I knew that people were going there, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a little bit more low key and people are literally waiting in lines like uh, Disney World. And it increased dramatically since the show. So Mm -hmm. again, if you wanted to go, you certainly can. (laughs) Well, I guess not now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, You can certainly try when we can all get back on planes. But yeah, so that's Chernobyl for you. Yeah, I think this was like a very fascinating um, episode and just an interesting topic overall, you know, and I think only with time we'll understand like the true impact of Chernobyl. That's true. Yeah. So we'll end the episode right now. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bear Roots Pod, B-A-R-E Roots Pod. And let us know what you guys want to be hearing from us in this coming year. Again, we have a lot of exciting episodes to be sharing with you all. So be sure to stay tuned. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Several expel. Exp- oh my god, I can't. <laughs>
do we need to do like a mumblebee <laughs> tuna? Okay. Okay. Several exp- ex- 